0: Welcome to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast, a podcast about being gay and sober and not just on Sundays. In this podcast, we'll explore the ins and outs of being queer and sober in a world where drinking and using are woven into the fabric of our culture. This season, we'll be hearing the stories of addiction and recovery from sober gays from all over the world. Every story of recovery is unique in its own way, and every story deserves to be heard. So let's go. In this episode, we welcome Greg. Greg is a self-admitted alcoholic and addict who is actively working on the recovery by helping others who struggle with addiction. They're currently working as a delivery driver and doing aesthetics on the side. Their recovery is stronger and more focused than ever. Please welcome Greg. Hey, Greg, welcome to the pod. How are you? We're good. (laughs) Okay, good. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, so um, why don't you just start off by telling us your name, your preferred pronouns, and a little bit about yourself. Uh,
1: my name is Greg. I, you, I'm discovering myself, so um, I'm using they them right now. Um, kind of in a, in a gender as a construct mentality lately, um, and. It's been nice being able to discover who I am lately, because that's something that's happening through sobriety. Mm -hmm. Um, It's crazy because I thought I knew who I was until I got sober, and then you find out that that was like the somebody else said it. That's like the um, prologue to your story. That's Mm -hmm. your story hasn't begun yet. I, um, when I, I first came to get sober, um, I was in a really dark place. Um, and I think I hid that kind of well. Um, I had just gotten out of a mental hospital, uh, with a month's stay after trying to commit suicide. Um, and probably like a month or two afterwards, I found the group um, on Facebook. Um, Boston sober days, <laughs> and I, um, I went to the first meet up there that I had found, which was um, arrow dodgeball. <laughs> and
0: yes, that was so fun. God. Yeah,
1: that was that was a blast. Um, and I can't tell if half of my sweating was from running
0: around or because I was detoxing or both. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Uh, <laughs> helpful in many ways sober gay sunday helpful in many ways yeah. <laughs>
1: um but th- that was really cool to find a group of um a group of people who were supporting each other through activities and um then the, there was the fellowship afterwards and you Dave were um very welcoming um and then Um, And then I gave a car ride home to one of the members and they asked, um, how long do you have? And I was like, how long do I have till what? (laughs) 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 And they were like, how long has your sobriety been? And I was like, oh, uh," it was like 30 minutes, but I was like seven months. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Um, you know. Because I I had felt like everybody else that was there had longer sobriety, so I was supposed to. And I was trying to fit in, so um, I lied. Uh, (laughs) That's what, I uh, I mean, typical alcoholic fashion. Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, I just think it's funny that today we're doing the podcast, and yesterday I actually did get seven months. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm
0: finally... It's no longer a lie. I was just predicting the future. (laughs) See, exactly. See, that's so funny. That's incredible. Yeah, that was a really fun event. I'm really glad you came. I'm really glad, you know, we could be there for you. And um, I really hope we can do more events like that. Because that one was really cool. That was, that's one of like, whenever I tell people what we do, they're like, you guys did what? You shot each other with arrows? I was like, yeah, it was really cool.
1: It's really, really cool.
0: Yeah, It was a blast. (laughs) That's amazing. That's so cool. I'm glad we're here on your seven-month anniversary. That's really wonderful. So why don't you like start us from the beginning and take us back to your very first using and drinking experience and just kind of take us through your story up until this glorious seven month mark.
1: Okay. um, So in the beginning there was light. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) In the beginning, um, I I make this joke. um, I once had 12 years of sobriety and then I turned 13. Um <laughs> which wow. is um, when I actually had my first drink when I was younger but it was um my, me thinking that I was cool like can I have some of your your beer mom and it was like all backwash and it was like the last sip <laughs> mm-hmm. yep, yep. And I was like five yep. um, that was my first alcohol memory um, and I thought it was so cool mm-hmm. but um my first i i'm not sure i oh i do remember my first drink <laughs> um my first drink was um was vodka mm-hmm. and i did not know it was going to burn like that going down um right um and i qualified to be an alcoholic right away cuz um i don't remember that night at all um i woke up next to the toilet <laughs> Um, and I I said right away that was a blast. Let's do it again. (laughs) Wow. So, um, I started drinking because I had a lot of anxiety and I was shy and I wanted to fit in. And right away, alcohol made me feel like I was Mr. Popular. Um, I don't know. It was like it. Um. All of a sudden, I could relate to people. I, uh, you, Well, you all know how, how it goes. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're the life of the party. Everybody wants to be around you. You're getting calls about when you're gonna hang out again and you have a billion friends. Yeah. And um, so that, that became, like through middle school to high school, um, I was like this rebel, popular kid. And um, that was short-lived. I started getting into a lot of trouble pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you had asked me this story seven months ago, it would have been, um, I was the victim of everything. But um, now that I have some, a little bit of time, I'm mm-hmm. not gonna say much, I still feel pretty new. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized my part in everything, like life happens and you choose how to react. Um i um I came out when I was around thirteen also mm-hmm. um and I brought my best friend's parents with me, thinking my parents wouldn't yell if there were other adults there that did not go. How I thought it would go. <laughs> um, I spent a lot of time being kicked out and homeless. um My father still won't acknowledge that that ever happened um I spent a lot of times in mental hospitals, um, and then um, there was one time that I showed up to my freshman freshman year of high school with um, a suitcase, and because I was homeless, but I was still trying to make classes. Mm-hmm. And um, my teacher said, um, "You can't just carry around a suitcase; you have to." have somewhere to stay so come stay with me and i did um he was my favorite teacher um really well liked and that um that ended up being um a terrible situation um where he stopped taking me to school and um molested me and that happened when i was um like 15 or 16 and i told my best friend the next day and she by the end of the day the whole school knew um and i was known as the kid who slept with teachers for grades and the worst part about that is that i still failed that class <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> no no so i i have to um I have to talk about that for a second. I went to the AA Roundup for the first time this mm-hmm. summer. And um one of the workshops led by Frankie was healing with humor. And um that was the first time I was able to laugh about that situation. And that was the joke I came up with was um failing in the class. <laughs> so that um I went on a downward spiral after that. Um because I couldn't no longer trust authority. I I didn't respect um adults anymore um like the i remember the principal cornered me in a room once one day and it was just to like give me a lecture about my behavior but um i was like you can't just block the only exit
2: he was
1: like standing in the doorway so i like pummeled him (laughs) and um, (laughs) um so i i was too crazy for school i dropped out of school um and my my parents kept kicking me out, I ended up um, too much for my parents, so I ran away, and I was living in the woods, and um, I remember it was snowing, and I woke up, and there were, there was two coyotes sitting next to me, and <laughs> <laughs> and I will always remember that, because I thought it was a dream, and then later on I realized it wasn't, but um, they didn't do anything, I, I was like, dying of pneumonia and hypothermia um but i ended up finally calling somebody um i I built an igloo in the woods and um i was a survivor um like nobody was gonna push me down um i wasn't even trying to seek shelter I was I was talking to this guy online and my biggest concern was that my phone was charged so that I could call him oh, God. And, you know I was like as long as we can chat then my day's going good oh. <laughs> uh, yeah so still a crazy teenager even living in the woods um but my parents um me in a mental hospital after I was brought to the ER um, with hypothermia, and um, from there they shipped me to Costa Rica to um, conversion therapy. Wow. And yeah, so I was 16 in Costa Rica. I didn't know the language, Um, and I know this all doesn't have to do with my... um, alcohol and drugs specifically but i like to think that it's a lot of the reasons why i ended up drinking so much
2: oh yeah absolutely um,
1: so i i thought that was a problem with myself i i didn't think it was being gay because that, i mean that being gay feels like having black hair like it's just a fact it's not like there was no choice i don't wake up and say today I'm gonna like this person mm-hmm. um, so in Costa Rica they had um the hallway was lined with beds and they were three three level bunk beds and um there was one person that sat at the end of the hallway and watched everybody sleep. It was um very like military style um you woke up, you got in line um you weren't ever allowed to sit in a chair um Went to school for 12 hours a day and if you lifted your head up from the book you were reading, then they would take you out back and dislocate your arm and make you touch your ear behind your back, which you can't physically do without dislocating your shoulder. <laughs> they, um, The police eventually came and said that they were holding us there um, illegally and it was an illegal operation and that they couldn't hold us there if we wanted to leave, and they said all this to a bunch of like twelve, eight, sixteen year olds, yeah, so um, so we outnumbered there were probably like ten adults for the whole facility, and like hundreds of students, and we all stayed in line because there were consequences, but you yeah. take away those consequences and we outnumber them.
2: yeah, so uh,
1: yeah. so we rioted. And um, I remember being like, I don't know this place. So I'm just going to stay here and be one of the stragglers. Mm-hmm. And at the last day, I was like, you know what? Nobody else is following the rules. So screw these rules. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear here. Yeah, you can <laughs> Okay, fuck the rules.
2: <laughs>
1: um, and I took off and I raided the attic with somebody and we stole some clothes and we went and took off in the middle of costa rica it's a beautiful country um and um the police were like wow we can't just have a bunch of americans who don't speak spanish running around a country so um they realized their mistake and they came and rounded us all up and i remember i i was with this person and there was a tree. And I was like, if we can make it to that tree, we can hide. And right before we got to the tree, um, my pants got caught on barbed wire. (laughs) I'm just standing there like the police (laughs) are walking up. Like I can't even go anywhere. (laughs) Uh, I was like, well, you caught me. (laughs) Uh So they put us in Costa Rica jail. Um, It was outside, it was actually like camping, and um not terrible, <laughs> as far as adventures go, right, but um I got a, a phone call um home, and oh, so um before calling my parents, um one thing that I share that i'm um, I know I shouldn't get so so much enjoyment out of it, but we did. Tear the school down, like brick by brick. By <laughs> <down>. <laughs> um, uh, so I still get a little bit of a thrill when I think back to that. <laughs> yeah, I, too. I think I would. Like do. we got, we got a little bit of justice. <laughs> um But I called my parents, and my parents were like, "Well, we can send you to Jamaica instead." And I was like, "No, that's okay. It worked. I'm straight." And uh, so uh, I said whatever I had to say to get back here. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I got back, my parents kicked me out again because they realized that I was still a flaming homosexual. Yeah. And um, so I ran away to Wisconsin, where um, the person that was on the phone when I was homeless lived, mm-hmm. the person I met online. And I lived in Wisconsin. I went by a different name. I was trying to reinvent myself. Um and th- that didn't work. I realized I was just running away with still bringing my problems with me because I'm the problem. Yeah. So <laughs> um, so it doesn't matter where I go, I'm still going to be the problem, mm-hmm. creating my own chaos unless I'm working on myself. Um, so I came back, um, still ended up being homeless for a while, so I went into escorting, mm-hmm. and... Um, I was an escort for, like, 12 years. I'm not ashamed of it. Um, I um, I have a lot of good and bad memories of it. Um, you get the crazies. It's not a career that I would recommend people jump into as their first yeah. option. Um, <laughs> but there's no shame in it if it is your option. Um, and I I ended up living with... A client and this is kind of like where my party life took off. Mm-hmm. Um, I was probably around 21 when I moved in with him um, and we had an agreement that we would sleep together twice a month and he would provide me a private room there, groceries, pay my car bill, and give me like two grand a month. And I was like that sounds pretty good and then I can also have all my regular clients and like he didn't bother me the other days of the month so um it was a good deal until it wasn't mm-hmm. um i i built up some friendships i became the party kid again that i had been in high school and middle school um and all of that really heavily revolved around drinking and then somebody said um have you ever tried Molly? And I was like, Molly, who's that?
2: <laughs> who's she?
1: Um, <laughs> we could be friendly. Um, right. So they said, here, take this pill. And I had no clue what it was. And um, by the end of the night, um, I had lost that strip poker. <laughs> and um, oh, I, we were like naked listening to um like old folk music and it was like the best music I'd ever heard, which is yeah. how I know it was like the drug.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um so Molly became me and Molly became good friends for a while. Mm-hmm. Um I quickly realized that she was a a great party drug for like the clubs. So yeah. I would go clubbing and um do Molly with friends and then I would be the one that was like hey, you got any more? Let's do more. It's like 6 in the morning, but we could we could stay up all day tomorrow and then again all night to the next night. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody else that was using it recreationally was like, they had taken their one pill and then were ready for bed yeah. and going to work the next day. <laughs> and uh, that was not me. I also didn't have a regular work schedule to worry about. So, um, I didn't, for the longest time, I I wasn't sure if I could handle a regular job because I'd never had that kind of schedule where somebody else tells you where you have to be or you're fired. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I like those rules. (laughs) Um, so I, that's probably why I stayed escorting so long Mm -hmm. was because I looked at it as Like, I I can cancel or do whatever I want. There was one time um, a friend needed help on his rent, and I was broke. And I was like, I got it, and then let's also go to Canada. So, like, from the time of being broke to hearing a friend needed help, I came up with, um, like, the $800 he needed for rent, and then also took us on a trip to Canada. (laughs) Right? That's that's. Um, Hey. Sounds good to me. (laughs) And that trip was kind of um, insane also because we, we dumped out Sprite bottles and filled them with wine and we just walked around Canada, Montreal, um, drinking wine. And we were, we were led around by a homeless guy who um, knew where all of the best gay clubs were. (laughs) Um, And every time we went somewhere, we'd give him a dollar. (laughs) There you go. There you go. he took us to a nightclub. We were the first ones there, and I just remember passing out on the couch and waking up when everybody was leaving. Wow. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure we're in the back of someone's phone. Um, like, look at these fools sleeping on the couch. right but um so i I was twenty five escorting um living with the client and i discovered molly and i introduced the client to molly Mm -hmm. and he became very addicted very quickly and um i'm not sure how he was able to go from partying all the time to making it to work but he was like very high up at citizens bank Mm -hmm. um he ended up um doing it all the time and he it it's a sex drug so yeah. um people like use it to feel good and he was he was taking Molly and Viagra because um I think it's also a limptic drug.
2: <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> um but
1: I went out on one Halloween and um Got lost trying to find somebody I hadn't met before, and I ended up at a party that wasn't where I was supposed to be, and um, getting roofied, and then um, we were—it was a group of guys, and um, I'm not going to get into details, but uh, it wasn't consensual. Yeah, and um i ended up telling my my roommate the client about it and um he turned that into um he turned that into if you're having panic attacks you should drink some alcohol to calm down and um when i was drunk he would give me molly and i would sober up and say hey i don't want molly anymore and he would use the molly as a way to get me horny and um do things and like we had our set schedule and it was happening a lot more often and it was because of the drug and not because i wanted to and so um he ended up doing that to somebody else while i wasn't there and um they told the police and he was going away for a long time. Um, But to get out of going away, he committed suicide. Wow. And yeah, in the house that I was living at and um, I, all of my stuff was there. um, And so it all got, it all got tossed. Um, Wow. So I was like, Starting at nothing, I had a few things that got moved to our friend's house before his family tossed it all. But um, so I have like pictures and things that matter. Not like I don't care about a uh, dresser.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> but the pictures are replaceable dresser. Yeah. You can find one on the street corner. <laughs> True. True. So. um. I stopped doing the Molly, um, and I I thought you know what would be great for me right now, dating.
0: <laughs> I'm ready. Get ready. I'm ready, boys. Here I come. Thank you for tuning in to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast. Please come back next week for the conclusion of this incredible episode. Please take a moment to like, subscribe, share, and comment. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Sober Gay Sunday. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay sober, guys.
1: I'm so sick of small talk and Tell me something you're dropping in me on my head. Your biggest mistakes. I don't want your daily trauma. Fill me in on family traumas. Tell me all the medication that you take. Cause life's so short. We'll blink so fast. Don't give back, so make it anything but small, small talking.